Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm your host, Shane Bacon. This week's episode with Joel Klatt is brought to you by Ogio. If you're in need of a new golf bag, you should give the Ogio Stinger golf bag a look. It's a beautiful bag meant to make walking a little simpler for you with a convenient water bottle sleeve, the impressive wood top to keep all your clubs separated, and all the pockets you'll need to have your bag packed with balls, snacks, tees, and much more. The Stinger Bag by Ogio is a great option for any and all skilled level golfers. Check out Ogio.com for their entire line and more right now. And yes, we are back. Apologies for a Friday Clubhouse podcast episode, but I've been on the road. I was in Wisconsin playing Sand Valley. I was in Wisconsin playing Aaron Hills, getting prepared for the U.S. Open. And Joel Klatt was alongside me the entire time. So I asked Joel to jump on and just really recap uh, the experiences, seeing Aaron Hills for the first time, what he thought about the golf course, what types of players he thinks has a really good chance to win. And then, of course, we touched a little bit on Sand Valley. I mean, it is the new hot golf destination. People are really fired up about it. They're really fired up to see it, to see where it goes and what it becomes. I mean, there's already basically two golf courses there. One's open. One will be open very, very shortly. So uh, it was fun to go see it. I mean, it was it was a beautiful golf golf course. It was a beautiful place, and it's only going to get better as more of the lodging and stuff opens up. I mean, it's expected to open. The lodge is supposed to open on July 1st. I mean, it's coming, coming very, very fast. So, hey, Wisconsin, let me just say, way to go on everything. They got great beer and Spotted Cow. They got great golf really across the state at this point, and they're hosting a U.S. Open in about three weeks. So a lot of stuff. Everything's looking up for Wisconsin. The state is great. Uh, We are preparing for the U.S. Open. We are gearing up to get this thing going. I'm excited. I'll be working PGA Tour Live at the Memorial next week. We just did something in Denver that's going to be super cool alongside Avis. I'm excited to share when that gets cut up and ready to go. And then, basically, it's just getting prepared and and fired up for Aaron Hills. I mean, it is going to be here sooner than you think. So it'll be a fun chat if you're looking forward to not only hearing more about Sand Valley, But if you're looking to hear what type of player in the golf course that we think will suit a player in Aaron Hills. So I hope you enjoy that chat. If you haven't signed up for our Clubhouse newsletter, make sure you do that. Go to the Clubhouse Pod at the Clubhouse Pod Twitter account and you can sign up right there at the top. It's pinned right there at the top. Sign up. You'll get golf news twice a week in your inbox. You don't have to go searching for it on the internet. I'm trying to make your life a little bit easier. Golf's confusing. Let's be honest. This is trying to make your life as a golf fan, as a golfer, easier. So sign up for that at the Clubhouse Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Shane Bacon if you don't already. And we will have more podcasts. We're working on a great guest for early next week, trying to do two next week. I was going to have Paul Azinger jump on on the end of this, but Joel and I went a little long. So I'm going to save Paul for next week. He's excited. He played uh, He played Aaron Hills the first day we were there. He didn't play with us. He just walked and just wanted to see what it played like. Uh, Paul, of course, has many a great lines, as you'll hear at the back end of the Joel Cloud podcast. But enough from me. I hope you're excited about this long weekend. I hope this helps you get through the long weekend. Joel Clatt, up next. And we welcome into the clubhouse for the first time, which I think is is fairly surprising, really, considering how we've become best friends. Joel Clatt, lead analyst for college football at Fox, but also uh, I would say I would say you're a golf nut. Is that fair, or is that does that not really encompass everything you are? No, I think that encompasses pretty well. Uh, so, hello, friend, and yes, I, I would say I'm a golf enthusiast slash nut slash psycho. I love the sport. And uh, second only to college football in my life. Yeah, how did you get into doing this with Fox? I mean, you know, you get to go to the U.S. Open. Uh, you've done it since Fox got the USGA, you know, deal. I mean, you've basically, you know, you've done digital at Chambers Bay. You got a chance to do it at Oakmont. I mean, is this just something you asked to do? Did they ask you to come on and, and help out, considering your role, you know, really throughout the company? So I. Th- I think now it seems a little more strange than it did um, <laughs> at the inception of the deal, right? Because it's like, why is the college football analyst, you know, doing golf? But I understand that. However, when we started doing this and, and that first open at Chambers Bay, I was a lot more of a utility player for Fox at the time. I was hosting NFL shows uh, on Sunday morning. I was um, kind of co-hosting a college football in the studio. I was doing a lot of different things. I was also doing game analyst work. And, and that other work has progressed to the point where I'm just doing college games with Gus, uh, kind of in our prime time game. Um, but because I love golf, I, I asked them as a utility man, like, hey, if you need anything, 
um, for, for the golf coverage, I would be happy to do it. And they put me on the 360 broadcast, which is something that we don't do anymore, actually, but it was a little bit of a hybrid play-by-play slash studio host role at Chambers. Um, I think it went fairly well, and I kept telling them, listen, I love doing it, and if you'd have me, I'd still love to be a part of the coverage. And so that's how it went. And maybe secretly, and now it's not going to be so secret, I do it so that I can go play the venue one time. <laughs> That's what I was a just year. about to I'm say. like, a week's worth of work. <laughs> I don't even make them pay me. Like, I don't add anything to the contract or anything. I'm just like, can I do this for, for one free round? I just barter my way around. Yeah, it, it makes sense considering, I mean, you know, you've got a couple of venues, you know, that, that haven't hosted, you know, U.S. Open before in Chambers and Aaron Hills. But, I mean, you're going to get Oakmont, you're going to get Shinnecock, you're going to get Wingfoot, you're going to get LACC. I mean, your pegboard for top 100 courses simply from this role, I mean, it's like multiplying quickly. I mean, you're, you're really getting into See, golf courses that people want to play. Now you know why I do it. And, uh, <laughs> and then generally we're on those trips together and we're trying to finagle our way towards more golf, whether it's at the <laughs> venue like we did at Oakmont, don't tell anybody. Or if it's like this last week where we played Aaron and, and also got a look at the, the fantastic new resort Sand Valley. Yeah, and I will get to Sand Valley in a bit. I wanted to start uh, start with Aaron, but I did just want to ask you, I mean, for people that don't know your backstory, um, you've kind of been an athlete your entire life. You, you got drafted to play minor league baseball, and after that uh, you played quarterback at Colorado. When did you get into golf? When was that a thing that really you started to pay attention to? You know, as a kid, we, we would play a little bit, but just like like any normal kid, I wouldn't play seriously by any stretch of the imagination. And then once I was junior high, high school age, I was so focused on other sports that I didn't really play. So I actually picked up the game, I would say, and, and tried to play it well for the first time when I was probably 22 or 23, I would say about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, because Coach Barnett, who was my um, college football coach, he loved golf and he said, listen, it's going to serve you really well. You're a quarterback later in life if you can play the game and play it well. So he kind of put that into me and, and um, that's when I started playing for real. Do you get a chance to play on the road? I mean, you're you're on the road basically, what, from September through January. I mean, you know, not necessarily the best months for golf, especially if you're going up, uh, you know, now this year, of course, you're going to be up in, in kind of the Midwest and stuff. But do you get a chance to tee it up much when you're on the road playing? I wish that I could do it more, you know, with, with a family and then just the the – the amount of work it takes to do a major college football game. I, I, I haven't played a ton. I did get to play the Stanford course. I've played in Tucson uh, when we went up there uh, to do a game at U of A. So I've done it here and there. I'd like to in the future be able to play a little bit more golf, and I think that'll be afforded uh, to us as, as we kind of get more experience with the teams that we're broadcasting and the leagues that we're broadcasting. So Hopefully a little bit more. You know me. I mean, listen, you and I have spent enough time around each other. You know that if it's possible, I'm going to try. <laughs> and so as it becomes more, uh, you know, available, I'm, I'm certainly going to exploit it. There's no chance. Yeah, you're going to become the guy that, that puts the clubs, you know, on like the truck when it leaves on, on Saturday evening. And you're going to be like, I'll meet you in the next city. Make sure my clubs are there somewhere. I mean, that that's going to be your legacy in about 10 years. Like a pitcher, like John Smoltz for the Braves, right? It's like the charter just carries his clubs, right? Like his club, <laughs> my clubs are going to be with me at all times. And really, I should just, whenever I get any equipment, I should just buy two sets so Agreed. that I can have the set on the truck and the set at home. So I can get the Tuesday morning round in at home and the Thursday round when we hit uh, hit the road. Man, twice, twice a week would be nice. Well, um, we got a chance, and you mentioned, we, we get a chance to play all the U.S. Open golf courses, basically about a month before the championship. And it's it's a nice, you know, refresher for some. I mean, if you're talking about a guy like Paul Azinger or Brad Faxon played Oakmont, you know, a nice refresher. But, you know, this year's different. I mean, we're playing a golf course that I think I was the only one, you know, in our entire broadcasting group that had played Aaron Hills before this past week. We got a chance yeah. to play it. We went out in, in five, Julie Inkster, uh, Joe Buck, you, me, and Brad Faxon, and then Julie stopped playing after nine holes and just kind of walked with us. But I, I just wanted to, before we talk about the golf course, we get to the first tee, it's 8 o'clock, it's windy, it's chilly. You know, you've played baseball in front of people, you've played football in front of thousands upon thousands of people in, in stands and really huge stages. 
We're on this first tee, which the first tee at Aaron Hills is a a, a lengthy par five. You're going to hear the word lengthy a lot, by the way, during this discussion. But it was a lengthy par five. It's a little cool. Winds into our face. You're standing there with. I think I think you're under explaining it. I mean, you say a little cool as if it's like 62 with a sea breeze. I mean, it was 47 degrees and it was 20 miles an hour or more right into our face. Right into us. And, I mean, right? And you've I'm got not the entire No, 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 no. You've got I mean, basically you have I mean, you've got what? 20 people that work for the USGA. You've got you know, you've got caddies, you've got Fox people there. Um you've got broadcasters it, that aren't our playing. Bosses. Yeah. It's it's Paul Azinger, it's Brad Faxon, it's <laughs> Julie Inkster, it's Joe Buck, and they're, they've got cameras around. They're like, oh, we're just shooting a little special. Don't worry about the cameras. I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. I stand up on the first tee, and first of all, I hit after you. And, you know, Ju- well, Julie stands up first from the tee box we're playing on. She just straight up, like a boss drills the fairway over a huge carry. I'm like, wow, that's really impressive. Joe hits the fairway. Faxon hits the fairway. Then you hit. And you just bleed it a little bit, you know, and I'm like, man, I'm this is not I'm not gonna even hit it in the park. Like <laughs> I'm gonna foul it off the catcher's mask right now. Like it just hit the ball. When I stood up the only good way to explain like how nerve wracking that situation was with the elements, with all the people around. When I grabbed my, my driver and I'm holding it in my hands, it felt like I had mittens on. I was like, I, I can't even feel anything. I'm trying to hit with giant mittens on my hands right now because I can't feel the club. It, uh, it feels like a folded-up lawn chair. Um, and thankfully, I, j- I literally just kind of like squinted and swung hard, and thankfully it went in the fairway. But uh, – Trust me, there was nothing technical about that swing. No, it was it was a good swing. And to be fair, we'd played Sand Valley the day before, and you know, you got maybe I'd say you, you got a little erratic with the driver at times. You hit your driver at Aaron Hills unbelievable. <laughs> you know, I but, did hit the driver at Aaron better. Yeah, you piped it. I mean, you piped one on one, you piped one on two. And I mean, you know, it's a golf course and, and we'll get into, you know, players we think have a really good chance and you know, what we think people are going to have to lean on to really succeed there. But, I mean, it's a place where, you know, it's a par 72, first time since 1992 that that's going to happen for U.S. Open. But you're hitting driver virtually on every single hole besides par threes. Yeah, I, and, and partly because there's not a ton of trouble. You know, it's not like you're going to – it's not a Wingfoot or, or an Oakmont where I thought this played much longer than Oakmont. You know, Oakmont – to be quite fair, wasn't a terribly long course, but if you're not in the fairway, the rough was so penal and the greens were so firm and some of them, some of them sloped away from you that it was nearly impossible to keep things on the green without a wedge in your hand. I I think it's very different at Aaron. And after playing Aaron, I, I immediately thought to myself, like, this is a bomber's paradise because you don't have to be straight as an arrow. And and length, as it is on almost every course, but certainly here, was just such an ally. Um, you know, and I know that that's a huge understatement. But there were times, Shane, when I'm talking about, like, big length. Not like, oh, okay, he hits it, you know, 290 to, to 300. I'm talking about the guys that move it out 330, that right. move it out 335. They're going to have an enormous advantage because – there's no trouble. There's nothing that prevents them from moving it out there. If, if you know what I'm saying, there's not the fairways don't tighten. Um, there's some holes that they're going to be able to drive. Um, thinking of what is it, 15 and two things of that nature. Like the big hitters are going to be just huge favorites, at least in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the tenth hole, and and this was you know really in our round. I, I hit first on 10, 10's a, a five, you know, 500 and something yard par four. And I hit kind of a little slap cut. I didn't hit it very good. And it was in the fairway. I mean, it's a very, very wide fairway. I think, I think Mike Davis said, joked to us and said, if, uh, if anybody misses this fairway, they, they, they really shouldn't even play here. I mean, it's 75 yards wide. I mean, it is probably one of the biggest fairways you'll ever see at a U.S. Open. But, you know, I hit it kind of left and didn't really get it all. And you pounded one. And there's a little hill there, probably around 300, 305, 310, that if you catch it, you're going to get, I don't know, 50 yards more roll. I mean, 
I hit four iron in. I think you had nine iron in. I mean, that's the difference in, you know, get, getting the ball to the right spots and taking advantage of the slopes around, you know, the, the basically the glacier that was carved out and what this golf course is made of. Penn's a great example. I think that um, the guys that I'm talking about that can carry the ball to, to the 305 or even a little bit past that 310 mark, if you can carry the ball that distance, you know, you're going to get, I would call it a, geez, I would say four to five club advantage over your, your playing competitor because of that speed slot. You know, if you can catch it with a big drive, I had a nine and actually could have hit a wedge, right. but I, I decided to hit like a little uh, kind of a half nine. So those guys, Dustin Johnson on ten, I'm fully expecting him to hit a gap wedge. Right. I mean, it's 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 what we were we were told with the amateur there. I mean, when the amateur p- was played at Aaron Hills, and you know they're expecting it to be dry. They're not expecting it to be as firm and dry as it was at the amateur, of course, because that's played in August, and you know you're still getting that cool weather we talked about at this time of year. But I mean, it's going to roll out more in three weeks than when we played it. I mean, there's going to be holes where these guys are hitting wedges where, you know, into the wind when we were playing it, we're hitting five and six irons just because that's the way it played the day we played it. And that's really what you're going to see. I mean, there's not a prevailing win at Aaron Hills. It's going to be a place that depending on the day, some holes are going to be crazy easy, you know, that played hard the day before. And some are going to be brutally tough because the wind can switch day to day. And that's what they're almost expecting to see is winds really coming in from different directions. I'll give you a great example. I thought two of the toughest holes that we played were 11 and 12. And and I think if, if there's just a small wind change, that becomes very different. But on the other side, two of the easiest holes that I thought we played were 8 and 18. And a wind switch on those holes make them brutally tough. So we were straight downwind on eight and 18, you know, long holes, eight's a par four that you've got to hit a pretty good drive. The 18 is just, you know, all the length that you would want. Well, those holes played exceptionally easy versus 11 and 12 for me, which are, could be short holes that just turned into crazy tough drives. I thought the two toughest drives on the entire course, because we had kind of a Southwest wind coming right into our face. What was that? What did you find difficult about Aaron Hills? I mean, was there one thing, you know, weather aside, conditions aside, what did you find difficult about playing there? Uh, two things. And, and I know you said weather aside, but I, I don't think you can put the wind aside because I, I firmly believe that if that was dead calm, Aaron is not a very difficult course. And I know that that's, that sounds maybe a little bit arrogant, but you played it in a five-mile-an-hour breeze in September. I think you would probably agree with me. It's generous off the tee. The, the greens are not crazy sloped. They were receptive for us, hopefully, and, and I'm sure they will get more firm, at least when it comes to approach shots. But the wind, for me, um, you know, I thought was, was the real difficulty. And then, two, blind shots off the tee, right? Like, w- with a driver, you didn't get a lot of shots where it's like, there's my landing zone. There's where I want the ball to land. Maybe I would say five to six, almost completely blind shots. I'm thinking of 11, eight's one of those blind shots, you know, where you're trying to aim at something uh, on the horizon and it can become difficult. So those I thought were the two most difficult things. Um, And we'll see how the green react as far as firmness. But one thing that I thought was actually very easy were the green contours. Right. I mean, there were a lot of straight putts. Now, granted, they probably put the flag sticks and, and the hole locations for us in very easy locations. So they can get more slope. But there weren't a lot of undulations on those greens, I think, in large part because of, of wind and the, the factor that wind will play on a day-to-day basis at that course. But if, if you're hitting your driver well and subsequently hitting your irons well, I think there's going to be a ton of putts made because there's not a ton of break, and the greens were perfect. Oh, the green, and I was going to bring that up. I mean, you know, this is probably condition-wise as good as you're ever going to see a U.S. Open venue, and it's, you know, a number of things, but one of them is, you know, Aaron Hills has been closed basically since October. I mean, they closed down and said no play, you know, through the winter months because, of course, you couldn't play. I mean, you know, snow's all over the golf course, but, you know, even when they normally would have opened up, I mean, they've allowed – play I think a couple of days out there and that's it I mean they had a media day one day they had us out there 
but really nobody's playing it. I mean, you know, you're looking at tees with with no divots. I mean, even par three tees, no divots. You're looking at greens with no pitch marks or ball marks on them anywhere on the greens. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, Brad Faxon, and, and you and I played with him 18 holes. I mean, this guy, you know, everything that anybody's ever said about the way he puts the ball is almost underappreciated. I mean, he was he's just unbelievable at rolling it. And it was like he couldn't have been more in his element. I mean, he's putting on perfect greens with a perfect putting stroke. And it was anything inside 15 feet. I mean, he was making it right in the middle. I mean, he even joked by the time we we got to, what was it, 17? And he made like a, I don't know, call it what, 12, 13 footer, a little bit down the down the slope, pours it right in the middle, perfect speed, and he kind of looks at everybody and he was like, geez, guys, no one wanted to give me that? <laughs> <laughs> and it, but it felt like that. I mean, it, it really did feel like that. I, I mean, it was it was unbelievable watching him. Uh, I was I was really, 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 really impressed with the way they've kept those greens up and, and got them. I mean, ready for this? Like I said, I mean, if they're if they're anything like they were when we played them, you know, in, in three weeks, these players are going to be in love with this golf course. I think. Oh, I just keep thinking of a guy like like Jordan Spieth is, you know, from from 15 feet on those greens, I could see him making, gosh, 65, 70 percent, right. which is an exorbitant number. Uh, would you disagree? No, I totally. Mean, they were perfect. They, they were, were perfect. You, perfect. You you talked about the 18th hole. Uh, just wanted to bring up. Um, you hit a driver four iron into 18. 18 plays about 650. Um, how good did you hit the drive on 18? <laughs> I think it was one of the best shots that I've that I've ever hit. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those where it's you know I mean I don't play around you know people a lot. These guys are seeing me play for the first time. I remember last year, Faxon asked me one time, you know, he was like, oh, I, I hear you hit it a long ways. And he was like, what's your swing speed? And last year, you know, you always hesitate because my swing speed is, you know, 119, 120. Okay. And I say it to him and he gets this look in his face like, oh, here's another amateur that right. thinks he swings it, you know, hard. And I get it. Right. I'm sure he gets a lot of people that can do that. But I'm hitting the ball really well all day long. Eight, I crush a drive. But then 18, Shane, it's like we're downwind, and I caught it, you know, I would call it like two or three degrees even more up in the air. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is pounded. In my head, I'm like, that's the best drive I've ever hit, dead straight. And there's nothing quite like walking up in the fairway with your group and like you can't see any ball, you can't see any ball, and then way on the horizon you see a ball, and Brad Faxon goes, "Well, geez." Yeah, and I was exactly. like, yeah. <laughs> "I've impressed, I've impressed him. My work here is done." Did Did you have I a favorite it. hole? Did you have a favorite hole like throughout the round at Aaron? Uh, yeah, I I thought, well, I mean it it was incredibly difficult, but I thought the best hole, I, let me, my favorite was 18 just because of how I hit it. Right. The four iron I hit was, was, was great. I just aimed it at the wrong spot. Well, I would have aimed it at a different spot, but I thought that the best hole was 14. I don't know if you, if you agree or disagree. Here's what I loved about 14 is that it's a par five. It's long. We played it into the wind, which made it even more difficult, but I thought every shot, regardless of what you were doing, was very difficult, and it and it it really created a situation where you needed to concentrate fully. So many times when guys lay up on a par five, even a really good par five, you just kind of like grab an eight iron and you say, oh, I'm going to knock it down to 100 yards, right? Grab a seven iron, oh, I'm going to knock it down to 100 yards, and you just kind of like bat it down there. Well, the layup on 14 is incredibly difficult because if you don't get it in what I would call like a hundred square feet, uh, this position up on the left, you're going to have a blind wedge, which I think is really difficult. If you go for it, um, first of all, you're going to have to pound your drive into a small area, and then you're going to have a very difficult uphill second where you need to be left of the flagstick. But if it stays left, it's all downhill towards the, the, the whole location. If you miss it right, it goes way down in your two stories underneath uh, the, the, you know, green surface. So I, I just felt like 14 was the best hole out there because I think you could see sixes and sevens. I think you're going to see threes. 
Um, I think it's a tremendous hole that takes your full concentration on every single swing. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a little stand-up that we're going to run during our sectional show about 14, 15, and it was exactly, you, you basically said what I said. I mean, it, it, it's one of those few par fives where, you know, even if you're going to lay up, it's got to be perfect. I mean, your layup's got to be perfect, and your third shot's got to be perfect because, you know, you were down below that green. I was down below that green in September. I mean, it's a really, really, really difficult pitch shot just to get it on the right level. And that's where balls are going to end up if you if you don't commit to either your second shot going for the green or your third shot. I mean, especially if the whole location's on that back right area or something like that. So I think 14, 15 were the ones for me. I mean, you know, there's a lot of holes out there that are unique, but, you know, 14 will be a par five that will be a three shotter if it's into the wind for sure, basically for everybody. But if it's not, I mean, a lot of the guys can get there in two. And then, you know, 15, they can play it drivable. And again, a drivable par four sounds great, but if you don't hit a perfect tee shot, it's going to be down in a swell that, you know, I mean, you're looking a hundred feet straight up just to get it on the green. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I would also bring up, because as you're talking about 15, um, I think to myself of, you know, well, I was in the bunker. You always think of where you ended up, right? When, when you play the whole back in your head. And, and that brings up just a, a general comment I want to make about the bunkers at Aaron Hills. They were the most unique that I've ever played in the sense that visually they look very normal and similar to anything else, but they're not shallowed out like every other bunker. There's actually contours in the bunker where you're getting uphill, downhill, side hill, bumpy lies in the bunkers because they're, they're not like a, a pure bowl from lip to lip, if, if that makes sense. And I thought it made them incredibly, one, unique, and two, difficult. But I thought it was, it was something that hopefully more designers in the future, future will do because it's gotten to the point where bunkers are so perfect all the time and these players are so good that they've become less penal than le- leaving it in the rough. And, and I think that the bunkers will – show a little bit more teeth because of that this uh, U.S. Open than they have in the past. Yeah, it's going to be a place where, you know, you're going to see days where, you know, without a lot of wind, players will have the ability to shoot something, you know, really solid, I think. I mean, I think you, you could see a six or seven under round without the wind. Oh, yeah. I think with wind. Especially with the par 72, because I think every par five is reachable. Agreed, absolutely. You know, again, depending on, on where the wind's at, but you know, with the wind in the face on one, for instance, they're going to play it two or three tees up just because they're going to have to. I mean, some players wouldn't be able to get it to the fairway if they played that back tee into the wind. But, you know, it's also going to be and a place. Here's something. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Shane, but uh, this is the one that you, you brought up a great point. Where they're going to have to put the tees based on wind is another reason why the long hitters are going to have a huge advantage. Because if you're a short hitter, you're not getting home on two on on number one and two if you're into the wind you're just not but the long hitter because they're going to have to move the tees up just to get people to the fairway as long as they're left center they're going for that all day long they're not going to have less than what 240 245 right. they just fling it around and that at that point the wing the wind is helping they only need to carry it 225 230 and let it roll down the green so even into the wind those long hitters are going to be able to reach because of where the usga and mike davis is going to be forced to move the tee boxes yeah, and I mean, I think that the fun thing too there is, I mean, a lot of the holes, like the wind we played, you know, a lot of those initial holes were playing into it. But, you know, no matter where the wind's at, at least one of the par fives is going to be downwind. I mean, that's just how the golf course is designed. And there's a few of those birdie opportunity holes that really go against each other in the sense of, of, of the way it's laid out. So the, 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 that's the cool thing is, you know, maybe, you know, two, three, four, five is into the wind. But I mean that means 18's down. That means, as you said, eight's down, and that those those holes turn into birdie opportunities. And I think that's that's a very cool and unique feature about Aaron Hills. But I didn't want to spend the entire time talking about Aaron Hills because we also got a chance to play Sand Valley. And for those that don't know, you know, Sand Valley is the new Kemper property uh, that's basically the, the Kaiser, you know, band in 2.0, if you will. I mean, it, it's in the middle of Wisconsin, and what was it, two and a half hours or so from Milwaukee? We drove to it, and it, I mean, it's very very new. And it's exactly the kind of golf I think you and I both love. It's that that natural feeling golf that Sand Valley is a place that, you know, I mean, obviously Aaron Hills is a U.S. Open venue in U.S. Open conditions, but we played Sand Valley first, and it's a place that, 
you know, a core Crenshaw, beautiful, amazing, very new, but a place that we can have a lot of fun playing if you were there for four, five, six days on a guy's trip. It was exceptionally playable, you know, and that's, I, I think that that's a core Crenshaw staple, um, you know, whereas Aaron Hills was made to be a brute, you know, right. I mean, it's a bit of a grizzly bear, right? And that's, but, and that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, you got to stand up and hit some great shots at Aaron Hills just to be in, in a decent position, right. in particular <laughs> off the tee, right? I mean, you, you got to stand up and, and nut a couple, right? And I never felt like that at Sand Valley. Not that it's, it's not a difficult track, because it is. It's just in a very different sense. Right. It was much more in front of you. It was less penal, you know, if you're hitting your, your – if you're batting a foul, um, which I did a few times. The caddies were like, no, there's no trouble on this hole. And the ball's in the air after I hit it, and they're like – well, actually, over there, there's a little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my caddy told you that the, you hit it in the only fescue on the golf course, and then you hit, hit it a little left on 16, and he goes, never mind, you hit, you found the other fescue on the golf course. He was he was having some fun with you. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of what I, I, I hope that golf design is moving towards. And, of course, I mean, us telling Cor Crenshaw how to design a golf course is like, you know, trying to tell Tarantino how to direct a movie. I mean, you know, these guys are, are doing incredible work, but... I do feel like this is the way we're going, you know, a, a place yeah. that you, you could play 18 holes, a 15 handicap could play 18 holes and not lose a golf ball. I mean, that's, that's a unique thing to golf course design. And that's a fun thing for people that are, you know, they're trying to go on a vacation and play golf. I mean, they don't want to get beat up. Yeah. They don't want to get beat up. You don't want to have to use a dozen golf balls in one round of golf. I, I could not agree with you more. Um, and even talking with, you know, we had the chance and really, opportunity not the chance but the rare opportunity to sit and talk design with gil hans and i mean you talk about one of the great modern architects and what he's doing all over the country whether it's redesigns of of classic clubs and bringing them back to life or it's it's new properties like uh, the black course down uh, at uh, uh what's it stream uh, song. In florida yeah, yeah there you go stream song so we we got to talk with him and and i think that is for a 15 handicap to go out and enjoy the round, right, and shoot his 95, right, or or 90. Heck, he played great. Maybe it's an 88. Who knows, right? And and enjoy the round just as much as a player like you, Shane, who can be three over through two and then buckle down and, and shoot three under the rest of the round. And it's challenging, you know, because you're looking at ways to get the the – ball close to the hole and it's difficult on the par threes and you're having to run and bump things and use your short game and creativity. I thought for good players, it played difficult and fun and, and had to use your creativity, but then it's also for a 15 handicap right in front of you. You're not losing all your golf balls and you can have a lot of fun you can all bet. You can all have a great time. It's in great condition and the people were amazing. I really enjoyed Sand Valley as much as I've ever enjoyed going up the Bandon. Um, so I can't wait for them to get the lodge and the clubhouse completely done. They're going to have the second course up uh, here in a matter of about, what, six, eight months. That's going to be a great trip. I'm so glad that we got to see it at its infancy this week. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, you know, how it compared to Bandon. I mean, you know, we already have a course built, which is Core Crenshaw. David McClay Kidd is, is teaming up with Kaiser, of course, you know, I mean, after Bandon Dunes. I mean, that's a pretty good one-two punch there to start things off. I mean, do you get that sense that this will turn into, you know, a Bandon Dunes 2.0, another type of place that people can go? I mean, you know, it's... If you fly into Madison, it's not a long drive. I mean, it's a pretty simple drive to get there. It's it's going to be easier to get to than Bandon for the majority of the country, I would say, because, you know, you are, if you're an East Coaster or even in the central time zone, that's a really tough trip to get to Bandon. You got to get yourself all the way to Portland, which generally takes a connection. And then you got to drive two, three hours, or you got to try to private, or you can actually shameless plug here. You can actually find direct from Denver to Bandon. So look for that, guys, this summer. If you're trying to find your way right into Bandon, check for the connections through Denver, which will get you right there. But it's just difficult to get to. Whereas I feel like it's going to be easier to get to, to Sand Valley because of the location in the central time zone, the proximity to both Milwaukee and Madison. That being said, there's also another distinction, and I didn't get to see 
um, the, the the mammoth dunes, which is going to be the David McClay kid design. But we talked with Mike Davis. He walked it. We talked with all the caddies and we saw it from afar. And I will say something. Bandon can feel very similar wherever you're at, you know, whether it's you're playing Bandon itself or you're at old Mac or even, I know trails gets a little bit different and and you've played more of them than I have because you're going through the tree. So you could speak to this more than I can, but I get the sense that at sand Valley, you're going to get exceptionally different feel out of mammoth dunes as you do sand Valley, the course. So the core Crenshaw versus the David McClay kid, which I think people will really like is the ability to play something that just feels completely different at the same resort. Yeah, I mean, I like I always wonder when I, when I think about these places that everybody wants to visit, you know, the stream songs in the cabins in the prairie and, you know, these types of destinations. I mean, you know, you know, Michigan at this point basically is a state and, and Wisconsin's turning into that. But I always, you know, I always look for that. I mean, when you're playing three or four rounds of golf, is it going to feel different? Is it going to look different? Is it going to play different? Is it going to favor you know, these three guys one day and these three guys the next. And I think that's why what, what Bandon did so perfectly was was find a way to put uh, Old Mac in next to Pacific Dunes, next to Bandon Dunes with trails there and a par three. I mean, it's just it's just a perfect combo, you know. I mean, it's just a fun combo with different golf shots and different holes. And you can remember 14 at trails just like you can remember, you know, 16 at Bandon Dunes and eight at, at Pacific. I mean, it just, they all feel like that. And I, I I agree with you. I, I think that, that Sand Valley is a little bit like that. I mean, you know, Mammoth looks tougher. It looks tighter. It looks like it's going to be longer. It looks like a bigger ballpark. And then you get Sand Valley there where maybe you'll score two or three shots better. And and maybe, you know, that's the course that your dad, who's a, a, a 17, 18, 19 handicap, prefers. And maybe you prefer Mammoth. I mean, I just think that that's what you want. You want the debate. I mean, you want that band in what's your favorite course debate. And, and I already feel like even with one course done and a second one, you know, quickly on the way, it does kind of feel like that as well. So, you know, it was fun. I mean, we, we had a great time. We had a great time kind of just driving around Wisconsin, to be fair. We drove around most of the state. <laughs> hey, like, what I want – hit us up on Twitter, right? I mean, all of you probably follow Shane already. I'm I'm at Joel Class on Twitter. And, and I want your honest feedback on this. Have you ever eaten at a place that identifies itself as a supper club? Because that was the first time I'd even heard of or seen like a supper club. We're asking about where to eat on a, what was it, Saturday night. Right. And I guess that was Hartford, Wisconsin. And they're like, oh, you got to go to the, like, the Dirty or Supper Club. And I was like, <laughs> Supper Club? I'm just looking for like a bar and grill. Right. Uh, can we just get a, a burger or something? It's like steak sandwich. You, I'm good. I'm good. Eating in a supper club was an experience I will never, ever forget. And and all of you in your mind, you have a picture right now of what a supper club is. You're 100% right. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, you nailed it already. Your imagination you wins it. the day. Way to go. Um, well, you already mentioned... Have you ever eaten in a restaurant that didn't have any music playing? That's right. Boom, supper club. <laughs> a place where, where you had bartenders and servers that worked didn't work together, they worked apart, and yet they both took care of you. It was, it was, a, it was an interesting phenomenon, and it was our first night there. I think we, uh, we, were, we really felt like we were welcomed, I'll say that, and especially with some of the locals I mean, there nice that were having people fun. people in the world, weren't they? Oh, it was unbelievable. I've never eaten at a place where they told me that I had a soup option with my dinner. And I was like, lovely. What are the soups this evening? And they said, French onion. And I was like, okay, that's a soup. And then they said, tomato juice yeah. in a cup. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, wait, wait, what? So like tomato soup? No, 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 no. Like chilled tomato juice in a cup. Yeah, and that's was, that's what we got said, for you. That sounds delicious. I'll have that. <laughs> you, you did get that. I got the French onion. I think I made the right choice. Uh, it was... It was a oh, good trip. I mean, that, that's the, the, the Wisconsin golf trip. You know, when you think about it, if you go, if you do it the right way, you fly into Madison, you do Sand Valley, you drive to Aaron, which I mean, you know, it was a couple hours, but it wasn't a bad drive. It was just kind of back, back streets, back woodsy. And then you go up to Kohler and you go, go leave out of Milwaukee. I mean, you're hitting some unbelievable golf courses without really too much stress. I mean, that's what I like about it is it's not it's not interstate bumper to bumper. You're stressed out. You're white knuckling the, the steering wheel. You're actually kind of just cruising around these small cities. 
Yeah, and I mean, when we say small cities, we mean like all of them have Main Street, and then that's it. That's and it. A couple of them have like Avenue B. That's right. Main Street I Two. Mean, it was great. We saw we saw two. First of all, we saw a horse and buggy, um, which was awesome. And we also saw two different minivans pulling trailers. Yeah. With a hitch. They were good to go. You don't always see that. No, that's not. You don't not, always see that. Joel, that's not a staple uh, in, in in Los Angeles. I don't think you see the minivan with the trailer, you know, when you're driving to the studio on a Wednesday. That doesn't normally happen. You might see might see a couple of Teslas, but I don't think you see a lot of, uh, a lot of that. Well, uh, you mentioned who you think has a great chance. I mean, you've mentioned Dustin Johnson. You've mentioned the long bomber. Is there a player, you know, as we sit, you know, three weeks out, that you're focused on that's not, let's say, not the number one player in the world, not Dustin Johnson, is there somebody that you think this golf course really, really sets up for and sets up well for in Aaron Hills? Oh, man. Um, it's a great question. I, I honestly think it sets up really well for Sergio because um, I think he can also be a good wind player and also has the distance and the ability. See, because I think, wouldn't you agree, his, the weakest part of his game is putting? Right. And I, I just don't see – I think the good putters will putt, you know, very well, but I also truly believe that the conditions and, and the lack of slope is going to help average putters putt well as well. Yeah, get the ball so, in the hole. I agree with that. And so I, I think a guy like Sergio, if if I were to pick someone not named Dustin Johnson, I think I would put my money on Sergio. In in DJ, that should be just basically what we say on everything. Well, besides Dustin, we think this person. Besides us, so so if there's <laughs> if there's a player to that point, yeah, if, there, if there's a player that maybe and not a name specifically, but a player that you think could struggle there, is it short hitter or is it a high ball hitter? Which one do you feel like would have a, a harder time? at Aaron Hills, you know, if you're going to look at those two types of players? Short and crooked is going to really struggle, okay? Because there's a few holes where if you don't get it to the top of the ridge, you know, I'm thinking about eight. I'm thinking about 11. 12. Yeah, 12. Uh, 11. You know, you know, those types of, like, forced carries off the tee. If you're short and crooked, you're going to be in for it because the, the rough is going to be very penal. And here's what's interesting is the further you hit it, the more forgiving the fairway is. It gets wider, you know, as as you can bomb it a little bit and cut off some corners and things like that. Whereas if you're hitting it short to the force carry distance, it's difficult and they're sloped in the wrong direction. So short and crooked, I think, you know, and I love this guy to death, but a guy that has not hit the ball great, with his driver this year is Zach Johnson. And if he's not hitting it great, I think it, it could be a long week for Zach. Or a short week for Zach. Out of their Friday night quickly. Well, two more things. One, uh, and this isn't really a question, just more of kind of a statement. Julie Inkster, who is just the, like one of the most awesome people in golf, played the back tees with us the entire nine holes, which I thought was amazing. And she birdied nine. And Brad Faxon, you've said it a few times to me. How impressed were you with Faxon's game? Dude, Faxon was striping it. Striping like, it. He was hitting it so well. And I just thought, you know, I'd never played with, with Faxon right there in person. So immediately I walk up to the team and I'm like, oh, I just can't wait to see this guy putt. Yeah, that was impressive, clearly. Okay, He put the ball lights out. But he was hitting it so good. I mean, he just rolled out there and shot even par like it was his job, which I guess it kind of is. Yeah, he shot, he shot even par playing it probably around where it'll be played for the U.S. Open, probably around 75, 76, I'd say, is where we played it. I mean, we played 11 all the way back. We played 12 all the way back. I mean, we played a lot of those holes from the very back tee boxes. And Faxon, there was a shot he hit on 14. This is the one that really sticks out of my mind. Uh, I think he made four birdies that day, but he hit this kind of just dead hand you know, probably knocked down nine iron for his third shot on the par five 14th. And right when he hit it, I thought in my head, I said, oh man, he didn't get it all, you know, just because it was so smooth, but it, it didn't have a lot of oomph in it. And I'm walking up and you mentioned it's kind of a blind third shot. It was really a blind shot basically throughout the hole, but I walk up there. I mean, it's like a foot. I mean, it, he almost made it. He almost cashes it, you know, from probably 125 yards or so. 
And it was just that move. It was just back and through, and it was really, really impressive. I, I'll tell you, Faxon hit it great. I mean, you know, he, he's he's almost like Jordan Spieth, where everybody just always, has always talked about the putting, you know? Oh, what a great putter, great putter, great putter. And you forget how good these guys can hit the golf ball. And I was it was it was an impressive round, man. I mean, 72 around that golf course in those conditions. I think a, I think a lot of the top players in the world would take that round on Thursday if the wind blew like that. And this is what I always say, and this is what I said about Chambers. There's an element to when we play it a few weeks before that it plays longer because it's going to be firmer and faster when the guys get out there. So the 76 or 77, I think it was, that we played it at felt like 77 or 78 in particular with the wind, whereas the guys, par 72, it won't feel that long. You know, so there's an element now, granted, that, you know, the greens are way more receptive and not quite at the speed, but there's that element of length that, that, that those guys won't necessarily have to deal with. I think it's going to play. It'll feel like 73 for those guys when they get it rolling and get the firmness of the fairways going, but I'm excited to see it, man. I, I really am. If the wind lays down, I think we could have double digits win. I think I really so do. too. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it's, I think if it's, if it's you know similar to when we played it, I think something around the six seven under range will be a good a good score for something around a playoff. And I think if it's mild, um, you know you're going to look at something like eleven and twelve. You looking at this week, by the way, you looking at Colonial Kelly Craft is is like playing well. He's preparing. Aaron Hills is like his Augusta National for Jack Nicholas. He's just getting himself rounded into form to try to go back to back. Isn't that crazy? I mean, isn't it? Horses for courses, right? Yeah, exactly. Paul Azinger said it to us a couple of times. I mean, there's golf courses that look good for your eye. Maybe he's just getting excited. He knew he knew 17 was this year. Well, Joel, I appreciate it. Um, you will be part of our coverage at Aaron Hills. And then after that, I mean, is it just basically starting to get ready for college football? That's it. That's it. Big year uh, for college football on Fox as we're going to um kick off our big 10 coverage and we'll have the pac 12 the big 12 as well as the big 10 and could not be more excited about that and the last thing i want to say first of all um this has been a lot of fun Uh, i wish that we could have been a little funnier because we sell it short we laughed the entire weekend (laughs) the the best thing that was said the entire weekend and julie inkster is playing so well and she hits a shot on what was that eight? No, no, no. Yeah, it Four. was the part. It was the par five eight, I think, the, wasn't it? Oh no, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. It was, it was, it was, it was earlier in the round. It was four into the wind, tough hole, and she had to lay up, and then she hits like this wedge, and and you are standing next to Zinger, and at a Zinger, without even like watching her hit, just hears like he's kind of standing just you know in front and just hears it and the ball like whizzes past and he can't even really see where it's landing and without looking back at Inkster he just looks at you and says that's the sound of golf right there <laughs> it was like, like this perfectly crisp line. wedge it was such a great line it was such a good zingerism you know he's just always got those in his back pocket but uh yeah it was it was an unbelievable line and and, and really it was I mean it was listen it was a fun day all, all together but uh, being out there I mean you're walking with Paul Azinger who's a major champion Curtis Strange, who's won back-to-back U.S. Opens, and Julie Inkster, who's won everything, and you know is a Hall of Famer, and uh, and and Julie's out there grinding. It was it was a it's it's a fun group. I'll say that it's a, it's a really really fun group to work alongside. And uh, anytime we get to do that stuff, it really just almost you know it re-energizes you for the year. I, I love that we get to go out there and do that for a few days. No question about it. And uh, and don't worry, I know that that you didn't play as well that day, but you were lights out at Sand Valley. Even par. Ladies and gentlemen, three over through two. Bacon's real pissed. Shoots three under the rest of the way and shoots even par. <laughs> I did do that. I, I will ask. I want to I finish it. I'm going to ask you one college football question, okay? And it's yeah. just this. One team that not everybody's talking about that you think could have kind of a surprise year. Well, unfortunately, they've, they've gotten a lot of love. And, and the teams that are good, everyone's going to hear about them. But I would say Oklahoma State. Is, is a very good team, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they wind up in the playoff. And then a team that's going to, I think, compete um, at the highest level in the Big Ten and bounce back is Michigan State. Uh, so those are the very under-the-radar teams right now, in particular Michigan State. 
Do you look at the schedule that you have coming up in 2017 and say, I'm going to take my clubs to this place and this place? Well, we are going to be, it looks like, we're going to do like UCLA here in Los Angeles the first week and then back-to-back USC home games, one against Stanford and then when Texas comes to town. So I assure you that I will be playing golf the first three weeks here in L.A. because the weather's <laughs> going to be perfect, and, and, and we'll see how that goes. It's a good, the, it's a good lineup for you. Is, yeah, the, the, the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game is going to be in October this year, and it's at Oklahoma State, and I've always wanted to play their course, and I feel like October it'll still be nice enough to get out there and, and, and have decent weather. So that's the one that I was looking at, like, man, I'd love to play. I can't remember, what is it, Karsten or something along those right. lines? Yeah, and, and I'm surprised I to hear this because you did tell me, I think you said if it's under, what, what was it, 60? You don't normally like to play if it's under about 60, 65. You've become this this Southern California golfer where if it's more than two layers, you're out. It was 48 degrees when we teed off. <laughs> I had five layers on, including like I had the tights on, on <laughs> under the pants. I had a long sleeve, a polo, and two like half zip over layers and on at Aaron Hills. And no I wonder you couldn't cold. swing. No wonder you were nervous about swinging. You barely take it back. Well, maybe I'll blame the layers because Perfect. after hitting the fairway on one, a par five, and then hitting a really good layup to 100 yards, lying two, 100 yards away from the stick, that's how you turn that situation into a seven. That's now right. that's the sound of golf. <laughs> that's the sound of golf. Joel Klatt. Uh, always appreciate it. We'll have to do it again. We'll uh, we'll try to find some time maybe around college football so we can talk a little bit more about that uh, as we incorporate a little bit golf in it. But uh, look for Joel. He'll be at Aaron Hills and he'll be uh, he'll have a big smile on his face. He loves doing golf. I mean, he just gets so excited Love about it. it. Love it. And maybe we'll see you at a supper club near you anytime. Make sure you order a ginger ale. <laughs> Homemade, please, preferably. <laughs> It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Many thanks to Ogio for sponsoring this U.S. Open preview podcast. Ogio makes insane golf bags that any golfer would love, and they also make the best backpacks in the market from the Renegade for the constant traveler to the Axle and even the Tribune backpack for kids that need something for school. Ogio's line has something for you. Trust me, get yourself an Ogio bag that makes work, travel, and much, much more easier and safer all of those plus the entire line of golf bags are available at ogio.com. O-G-I-O.com. Many thanks to Joel Glad for hopping on. Great conversation. He's one of the best dudes in the business for sure, and he loves golf. I'm sure you could hear that in his voice as we chatted about the days we spent together playing Sand Valley and Aaron Hills. Many thanks to Sand Valley for hosting us. That was very kind of them to do that. They didn't have to do it, and uh, it was great to get a chance to check that out. We were really fired up about Aaron Hills. I think it's going to be lovely. I think the players are going to really, really enjoy it. And I think it's going to be you know, one of those visually accepting golf courses where when you're watching it on TV and you're seeing the contours, the green complexes, the rolling rough, the wind blown, it's going to be something you're really going to enjoy. So we're fired up. I mean, we can't wait for it. It is going to be coming soon and very, very, very soon. Uh, make sure you sign up for that Clubhouse newsletter, and make sure you follow it. Because on Monday, I'm going to send out a way to win an Aaron Hills hat. I bought a couple extra hats for followers out there. So check that newsletter on Monday. Sign up if you haven't already. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you get in a few rounds of golf. I'm actually going to take a couple of days off. I played a lot of golf in Wisconsin. Then I played a lot of golf in Denver. And I think my, my, my golf game needs a break. It needs a couple days off. So I will not be playing, but I hope you get a chance to do it. I hope you make some birdies. Get out there. Enjoy the long weekend. We'll be back next week.